The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Gotham City Gazette, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, January 27th, 2022, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's Batwoman. Please welcome my co-hosts, Dimitri Wijasinger. What's happening, Gotham? Millie Wood. Hello, Gotham. And Professor X. Hello, Gotham. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 3, Episode 10, which was titled Toxic, brought to you by Britney Spears. No. And aired uh, January 26th, 2022. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Batwoman's hands are full as she juggles Jada's demands, Mary's ever-increasing power, and... A new romantic entanglement. Loyalties are tested and motives come into question as Batwoman races against the clock to once again save the city and those closest to her. Dun dun dun. I mean, that read kind of like either a mid season finale or a season finale. And it did feel like both, so let's get into this. Uh, We start off with a little torture, as one typically does on the CW. Just go ask the Riverdale kids. Uh, This time it's Mary torturing an insurance pharmaceutical type of uh, bad person. Um... Like, we had that whole thing in the previously on where we saw Mary kill the person. And I know I was kind of, like, rooting for Mary not have killed the person, but the professor was right about that. Um, he's he's an expert at murders and crimes, apparently. Uh, but I would assume that this man is also dead because he got, like, deep-throated with a vine. And I kind of feel like getting strung up and deep-throated with a vine, I don't think you can come back from that. Right, Millie? They did they okay. did intentionally include you could still hear him making noises as they walked oh, away okay. so he wasn't dead. Because I thought they I heard a cracking noise and I thought they'd snapped his back, but I think they deliberately added ADR sounds of him making gasping and gurgling noises just to reinforce that he was still alive. Oh, okay. So this time you're saying Mary did not kill. In this particular context, she did not kill. She did not kill. Okay. All right. Millie, what I was going to ask you that, but the professor was very excited. Um, but do you have anything to add? Are you, are you glad Mary didn't kill? And did you find it um, very intense? Yes, it was but intense but kind of fun at the same time. Oh, <laughs> intense and fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Mary was... You kind of see that unsureness when she's torturing. Uh, although, like, I mean, it's because Pam's there. Or she, you know, there is that good side of Mary still there. But I really like the way that, like, Nicole played it. Um, lots of, like, I'm in power, but also I really don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I am glad she didn't kill him because she already has enough uh, that's going to be on her guilt or on her conscience for the uh, first guy being speared by a tree. So um, I'm glad they made sure to know that the guy was still, like, making weird noises when they left. All right. And you don't like horror movies, but I feel like you would enjoy torture porn, like Saw and Hostel and that kind of stuff. No? Okay. No. Oh, okay. All right. Have you ever even seen a Saw? Have you seen a Saw? That's funny. No. Okay. No. No. Okay. All right. Moving right along. So we have, I would say, a spectacular entrance from the one and only Alice. Like, she just... 
sauntered in, in all of her magnificence, and it was fantastic. I will also say, as a point of personal privilege, I rewound so much of Alice in this episode, because she was killing me. It, like, everything was fantastic. And what we're going to do right now is talk about everything Alice, because I thought everything with Alice was fantastic. From showing up at the bar, talking about Santorini, um, you know, flicking water in Renee Montoya's face, driving the Batmobile, uh, having one-on-one heart-to-hearts with, out of all people, Ryan Wilder. I mean, Alice was on fire this episode. She also got the chance to admit that uh, she actually cares about Steppy this episode as well. Let's talk about everything Alice. And, Professor, I'm going to ask you first because you are Alice's biggest fan. You love you some Rachel Scarston. Well, yeah, definitely. And and here's this is I have no evidence for this, but I was watching the beginning of the episode. There's that opening scene with Mary and uh, and Poison Ivy and Bridget Regan gets a couple of clever lines where she starts saying, you might want to dial it back a little bit. You don't want to get all mustache twirly. And I thought to myself, are they writing her to be the next Alice? Are they giving her those sorts of funny, self-aware, you know, uh, Rachel Scarson type lines? And my theory is that Rachel Scarson was reading the script for this week's episode in her trailer and went, oh, hell no, and just decided to walk on and show everyone how it's done. This was a masterclass in being the baddie. She was so good from that opening scene to the, as you said, the water split splashing in the face the scene in the car where she's driving and uh and and just every line every reaction and also she's so funny she's giving the other people things to play off of as well it's it's easy to miss but some of the funniest moments in this episode were sophie reacting to what alice said you know alice is gets the funny line but she allows other people around her to be funny as well but still has that heart there you know that uh, you know the the fact that you know she's there at the bar you know uh, you know, uh, you know, drinking her beer and, and can belch on command. Um, boy, everything about Alice in this episode was just spectacular and managed to do the hearts, heart scene too. you know, like the, the scene where she's telling Ryan that, oh, by the way, Mary killed a guy <laughs> and she covers Mary's ears while she's saying that it's done for comic effect. Yes. But again, there's that element of truth to Alice as well. And, and Rachel has done such a fantastic job of fleshing out, you know, what was kind of a one note character in that first season, but she has become just such a delight that uh, and this episode wow she just she just you know kicked in the door and you know forced the camera to stare at her every moment that she was on the screen yes as Rihanna would say she shined bright like a diamond yes belching on command that is difficult Dimitri can you belch on command I am just curious not convincingly not as well oh, okay. as Rachel Scarston did I mean that was I mean, she was making the big bucks for that. So, to, to, to be fair, mm-hmm. though, she wasn't really in frame until the belch. So she could have just like chugged seltzer, and then like given a real belch. Like, uh, mm-hmm. let's not give her too much credit now. Although uh. she is very talented, and in all likelihood, probably, probably can belch on command as well. Yes, yes, I, I, yeah, that is true. Um, the one little moment that was spectacular was when she was like, oh, don't you ever just steal Sophie's phone in the middle of the night and, you know, look at freaky-deaky texts and that sort of thing? And, and everyone reacted, but my favorite reaction of that is, like, you have Luke on the computer, like, doing his computer he's up, and he was like, what the hell? And he turned around to, like, get into that conversation because it started to sound juicy. Um, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Dimitri, you love you some Rachel Scarston as well. Uh, talk to me about her in this episode, but in particular, let's focus on the, I, I can't even call them the dynamic duo, because they have not really been a dynamic duo. Ryan and Alice have not really meshed at all, so having them have the talk, not the sex talk, but like the talk about love and um you know we're we're kind of the same you know we're both kind of fucked up people that know that we we are, we're feeling these feelings one is romantic feelings the other is sisterly feelings but we have these feelings and we're too scared to uh, potentially screw it up yeah yeah um it was it was expertly done um it's so well done that you almost forgive the like um 
the gross magnitude of what just happened. Because, like, let's take talk. Let's take stock of why they're in that situation to begin with. Ryan basically needs a driver, and rather than call anybody else, she's so afraid of awkwardness with Sophie that she. I don't know. Can Luke not drive? Um, she invites Alice, who has also been drinking, to drive her. The, a serial killing psychopath who is under the influence. Like, I'm pretty sure if a traffic cop pulled them over, they just spontaneously explode. Like, there'd be too many tickets to write. Like, I, it's insane. But Rachel Scarston has such presence that we just move on. And we're like, hey, she's almost fired the, the rocket launchers. Um, and then she sort of seamlessly shifts our focus to, to Sophie's scene uh, or Sophie's, you know, interaction back at the base. Um, it's all so well done. And it seems like the kind of scene that couldn't happen without Alice. Like, it's so chaotic everything seems so like out of everyone else's control. Like Sophie doesn't know she's being listened on. Um, Batwoman basically like can't get Alice to, you know, behave. Um, so this whole thing basically feels like a moment where Alice in her own chaotic diabolic way is indispensable to like the whole team moving forward. I know, right? It, it's how the how the turntables and all that kind of stuff. Who would have thought? And who would have thought that Alice would have been the one to allow Ryan to come to that realization? But also the fact that Alice is actually admitting to someone that she cares, even though even though, even though she denied it. Like she started off the episode saying, "Really, I care? Not really." Uh, Millie Wood, I want to bring you into this because you are a huge fan of Mary, and, and even though I'm not asking you specifically about, about Mary right now, I do want to get your take on the Alice of it all, because by the end of it, just to sort of rush, you know, uh, they do get Mary back, and there is that follow-up conversation that Ryan and Alice have together, you know, basically... Uh, you know, just putting a little bow on the talk that they had in the Batmobile. What do you think of that, and and where do you think this relationship goes? And, and by relationship, I mean, do you think there could actually be some sort of friendship between Ryan and Alice, or at least an, a better understanding of each other. Maybe that's probably the the best that we can hope for for the near future. I definitely do think they're moving to like a better understanding. Maybe the full like circle end of the story as they are friends. Like that's how this, the show ends. But I, I really do like it because I think um, made a good point in the conversation that Clara like in a way they are like each other. I mean they've had rough upbringings and that has um caused them to have certain defense mechanisms that they share and i think that in the way that she kind of bonds with mary in some ways that's how her and ryan bond and we see that and i do like how um as much as alice was giving it in the car ryan gave it back at the end um bringing that kind of whole conversation uh to close and also to note like it's okay for alice to let people in not just mary so i kind of like that small moment there um and i i do like the chemistry that uh both rachel and javicia have and it'll be fun to kind of just see even this is like the bickering to see that kind of um more interactions go on yeah yeah it, it's gonna be interesting to see them together sort of moving forward especially after they sort of really saw each other maybe for the first time in this episode you know they both have a better understanding of each other. I mean, clearly the dynamic hasn't shifted completely because at, at the end, Dallas is like, so you're going to help me, you know, not go back to Arkham, right? And she's like, um, about that. Uh, boy, I think Sophie's calling me right now. We'll get back to you later on that. Yeah. So uh, stay tuned uh, when it comes to that. We also had a big moment for Luke in this episode, uh, 
you know, during the big fight, which uh, we are going to talk about the fight and how it was shown to us in just a moment. But during the big climax of the episode, Luke got over the voices in his head that was basically um, hindering him from really, you know, um, I don't know what would be the right term, to really uh, allowing himself to become Batwing. And we saw him... Uh, you know, just by giving himself a pep talk, you know, you could do this, you could do this. He did it, and he just roared his way out of some vines, and uh, he did this cool jump flip thing that was kind of spectacular. Props to the stunt person that clearly did that. No offense to cameras, but I don't feel like you were doing that in the suit. But it was still pretty damn awesome. Right, Dimitri? What would you think of Luke's... Um, character development and him it seems has finally sort of shaken off uh, everything that was really uh, stopping him from becoming the hero that he's supposed to be wow i'm gonna be a letdown i thought this moment was a little cheesy uh (laughs) very like cw okay like plot focused like it it seems like uh, there's a lot to reconcile from his early struggles with the suit in terms of his father's impression of him and his impression of himself. And then I think we're at this episode where we really need Batwing. So they're just like, uh, let's almost crush him to death and <laughs> he's going to have an awakening moment. Um, I mean, wouldn't you wake up if you're getting crushed, crushed to death? I mean, you know, sure. Uh, it's okay. It's a CW trope at this point, but um. Oh yeah, so, I remember when they were getting crushed to death over on Riverdale. And Smallville, and I mean, just so many characters. The Flash. So many characters have had a like, oh, my balls to the wall moment. Wait, I've just awakened something in myself. Um, so uh, you know, eh. Okay. It was uh Yeah, I'm I'm mm-hmm. very happy to see Batwing back in action. Did you at um, least like the flip thing in there? The flip was cool, okay. you know, uh some of the combat scenes were cool. I, I just think um he you know, a lot of baggage was set up. You know, it could have just been a glitch in the suit, it could have just been Luke's personal fears about going out and being a hero. And then, you know, a resolution like this would be totally fine, but they set up a lot of baggage, um, you know, dealing with his father's death and, you know, maybe how he always felt his father saw him and yada, 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 that just gets glossed over, which given how much the setup was, I felt this resolution was a little disappointing. Okay. So he like should have gone to therapy or something. Yeah. 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 Okay. Which, you know, therapy is, it helps a lot of people. So listeners, if, yeah, go to therapy. I mean, we should all go to therapy. We're all a little nuts. We're here talking to ourselves on the damn fucking internet, and, and y'all are listening to us. I don't know who's crazier, us for doing it, or y'all for listening. We'll find out at some point. Speaking of crazy people, uh, I'm going to ask the rest of you, because Demetri kind of pooped. Actually, Jeff, now might yeah. be a bad time to point this out, but none of us are real. Oh. That this is all just happening in your head. I'm sorry. I feel like if anybody here is actually real, it has to be Millie Wood. Oh, she's not even here anymore. Oh, Who's no. curiously silent. I know, right? Yeah. Well, I think you've just proved your point. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. shut down the simulation now. Good night, everybody. Oh, we will, I, I want to take this moment to advise listeners that therapy is not just for quote-unquote crazy people. Oh, that is true. Um, yeah. Everybody can benefit from working on their mental health. That is very true. you listeners. Yes, yes. I should have taken the other pill. That's what it. That's what's causing all of this. Anyway, but I will open it up to the professor and Millie because Dimitri didn't really necessarily like it. I'm still. I'm sort of in the middle. I mean, I'm glad that he sort of got over that hurdle, but I don't really know. I don't really know where I stand in regards to it. I'm just here asking the damn question. So I'll ask the question to both of you. Do we have? A different opinion than Dimitri, or, or I mean, everyone should sit down for this. Are y'all going to agree with Dimitri? 
was it kind of meh or was it okay in your eyes? Well, I'm going to take a, a, a totally uh, unpopular opinion and say Demetrius Wright. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this, this was a very clumsy moment in the episode. Uh, it wasn't earned. Uh, you know, we should have had a lot more backstory and Luke developing this. It just came literally out of nowhere. Um, you know, every other time he's had to step up, he hasn't been able to. This time he could. For what reason? What development has he gone through? Absolutely none. It's just that maybe it's the vines. Um, no, yeah. I mean, they tried to tie it in, you know, with that little bit of the flashback, and I, I like that. It, it took a little bit of the stink off of it. But no, I absolutely agree with Dimitri on this one, and you understand how painful it is for me to say that. But no, mm-hmm. it, this was uh, the weakest point of the episode, unquestionably. All right. Well, those are those were words. Millie Wood, are you going to co-sign? I mean, he did say that kid making memories in the forest last week um should that help him yes well no no no. remember memories (laughs) poor kid um no i uh i have to also take side with the professor and dimitri it felt um unearned also super cliche and i think like looking at a higher like a bigger picture i just feel this whole journey for luke for batwing has just felt very formulaic like we kind of have a little different path for Mary and for Ryan and even for Alice, but this one seems like the most in line with what we've seen in the Arrowverse, you know, unless we kind of had the whole moment of him, oh, I can save somebody, I don't need my powers, kind of revelation in the other one where you're like, facing death, um, and it just feels like it, it's not really creative or really doing anything different, so it is a little bit disappointing, also because I don't think Luke needs a suit or powers, oh. uh, so it's kind of like adding the cheese on top of the storyline. It is a cool suit, though, I will say. I like the suit. So I- oh, you know what? I'm even going to disagree with you on this. You don't have a you know, sort of flip-up visor that, uh, you know, that anyone can flip up in a fight like he has there. That's just uh, that's dumb. Although I would like to point out that, uh, Jeff, all the imaginary voices in your head have just agreed that you're wrong. Hmm, I think this could be a breakthrough for you. Well, I never gave my opinion, so I don't know. Oh, come I, on. The way you set it up, you were pretty clear. Oh, I was setting up, yes. But, um... I like the colors, so maybe maybe it's just me. I like the colors and the lights. It's shiny. Um, okay, so let's talk about the main plot point of the episode, and that is um, a woman who has OCD. You know, she she made a list ten years ago, and she's got to check off the you know the last thing on the list. You know, she wrote, you know, I got to buy fertilizer. I got to, you know, buy some matcha green tea, and I got to blow up the dam. And so she checked, she had checked those two first things off, you know, 10 years ago, and now she's got to blow up the dam. And now she's got a hench to help her out, Mary. And um, Mary feels like she owes her, but then, you know, she's like, I don't really know if I'm down for this cause. Even after hearing about her sad story about her asthmatic... 13-year-old brother that died, and they were being poisoned by the river water from the factory down the block. I mean, you know, everybody hears that story growing up. And so Mary decides not to help out, but she's like, you know what, I will re-energize you a little bit more. And so they do their spoiling thing, and, uh, you know, uh, Poison Ivy, she pulls a Sanderson sisters, and she sucks the life force out of Mary and then leaves her for dead on the dam. And that was the entire episode, y'all. You didn't miss anything after that. Now, Mary does end up getting rescued by one of the dam workers, and then the Bat Team actually rescue her. And there's, like, this whole situation where she comes back with, I guess that was with UV light or something, and she comes back kind of pissy, and the thing that snaps her out of the pissitude is realizing that she killed somebody. And then she goes, she's down for the cause, and she's ready to help the team. And we see the climax of the episode, basically them thwarting Poison Ivy in, I would say, an interesting way. We actually see what's going down, and we have flashbacks to them planning it out. It's, I don't think we've ever seen something like that before, at least on Batwoman. I feel like I've seen that before, like maybe on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like that. But I don't think they've done it before here on Batwoman. And I actually did find that 
impressive. Uh, Millie Wood, let's start off with you. What did you think of everything Marion Poison Ivy? Um, Poison Ivy was a lot in this episode, and then she got supercharged, um, you know, uh, in a big way. Um, It was interesting, though, that sometimes she would, like, suck the life force out of Mary, and we didn't get the twinkly lights. Um, and then, like, it's like we didn't get the twinkly lights, but then we got them again. And I was, uh, that confused me. But anyway, Millie, on to you. What did you think of the whole Poison Ivy sitch? It was very strange, I think, like, the, the sucking the life force out of Mary, um, I thought, definitely thought, like, so one of them was going to die, so, you know, that's a little sad. Neither of them died there, I guess. Um, definitely glad it wasn't Mary, though. I, I like it. We, we got a little bit of her motivation um, and a little bit of, like, her and Renee, but it felt like it wrapped up really quickly, maybe because it was a shortened season. Um, I kind of wish we got more Poison Ivy, but, if, you know, the whole thing was the dam, and that's what she was trying to do 10 years ago, and now she's back. Just to finish it, maybe she was a little bit one note, and we were safe from not seeing her longer, but I feel like, especially with the actress, like, there's a lot more potential there, so um, I'm I'm curious, like, such a big villain, or at least sounds big, she looks cool, um, that it would be wrapped up so quickly. That damn dam. That damn dam. I mean, you know, it was it was doing bad stuff, right? Like powering houses and um, killing an entire ecosystem of fish or some shit like that. I don't know. Professor, talk to me about how they showed the climax of the episode. Uh, the, the stuff in the present and then them flashing back to, uh, the, the, you know, the, the actual plotting and planning of um, what they were going to do. Did you find that interesting? Yeah, it, it, it's effective. And, and I agree with you. I can't recall them, you know, doing it as a fairly regular trope in the CW verse shows or certainly not on Batwoman, but it is an absolute trope of the heist movie where, you know, you see them, uh, you know, going through the steps of the plan and then you get flashback to them, you know, working out the plan and everything like that sort of, you know, explaining retroactively how everything came to be uh, and i thought it worked quite well in this particular situation uh you know uh sort of explaining how everyone happened to be there how you know luke just happened to be looking at the uh the uh, the plans for the dam and everything like that so i think it, it it did work quite well in in this particular context i don't think it's something you can do every time because it's something you you have to do where there's you know uh, whenever you've got a heist, there has to be the reveal that this is not what you were thinking was going to happen. So the fact that uh, that Mary was not there to you know give the power to uh, to poison Ivy, but rather to weaken her, and that you know Batwoman would be there to start the fight and everything like that, and getting the the realization that this was part of a plan, I think it worked pretty well in this episode. And, you know, and it did set up you know a tremendous fight scene as well. So I think the two of them working together, you know, made for you know a very uh, engaging probably last what seven to ten minutes of the episode. 710 might be a little heavy, but, you know, certainly the last part of the episode I thought worked really well because of that structure. Yeah, I think at least seven minutes. Yeah, I feel like it was at least two sections of uh, the uh, the, commercials, but um, there was at least a commercial break in between that. So, yeah, it was well done. Dimitri, I'm going to bring you into the conversation, but I want to get your take on the happy ending that Poison Ivy gets, which... um, for me, it just came out of nowhere. So Poison Ivy, she gets weakened. She gets taken down. Renee, throughout the entire episode, you know, she was going to, she was planning on, I don't know where the hell she was going, but she had gotten tickets to somewhere for Pam. And then she wasn't trying to help Team Batwoman at all, but then she was, and then she did. And she was the one that had the idea to use Mary to to get to Pamela. And then at the end of it, even though she gets knocked out by Batwoman, which I don't know if you can explain to me what that was. I know she was weak, and she was doing the whole thing viney with her. And then she chops off the vine, she being Batwoman, and then she just falls backwards, and then that was it. I was like, okay. But then they wake up on a plane, and we find out that they're headed towards Coriana to live, uh, you know, their their sapphic love on an island that has no industries and worships plants. Poison Ivy gets a happy ending. And Renee Montoya, after all the shit that she's done, I guess gets a happy ending as well. She just she quits and 
flies away. Uh, what'd you think of that, Dimitri? Is this because you read my Twitter? Ha! <laughs> yeah. White privilege really is a superpower. This woman, like, not forget her past history as a supervillain. This episode, this woman skewered people. And not accidentally like Mary. Like, purposefully skewered that security guard. But, you know... Oh, in a big way. Like, yeah, that was like, yeah. I mean, that man just wanted to, like, help her. He was trying to stop me. Yep. And she gets to fly off happily ever after. And and her boo, who, you know, committed, like, well, deceived the bat team to help her, betrayed the bat team, set her free, has been blackmailing Batwoman forever. They're just like, eh bygones you guys enjoy your island getaway i what uh i just uh i if anyone should be dehydrated and left to rot in a cave um (laughs) yeah uh i that that was so out of left field and the fact that there's no discussion around it at all it's just kind of shoehorned in i was not a fan um you could have left her ending like ambiguous and it could have been like reference later you could have you know had her escape from custody like she's being transported to argus by plane and then she starts you know exploding vines out of the plane or something if you want to which i'm guessing they do i guess they they want to keep the potential for this character open. But this was just like, I mean, you know, why don't, why don't they make reverse flash Godfather to Nora? Like it, it made no sense given the amount of harm these two have done. Um, and the propensity for harm that these two have. And the fact that you're sending admittedly a very difficult to defeat supervillain to the island of immortal flowers. I, I don't know. It, it it blew my mind um, in, in a bad way. I don't know how everybody else thinks about this. Well, I will be asking everybody else. And I think you actually did quote the storyline from The Flash um, as you were mocking uh, what happened here. Uh, can I just say that uh, the chemistry between... Pam and Renee was like on fire. I mean, that, that was lava. And the fact that both Victoria, Victoria Cartagena and Bridget Regan could do that with such little camera time is props to them. You know, for me, like I give them props because they made their love really jump off the screen for me, like, I bought it hook, line, and uh, sinker. So Dimitri brought up an interesting point. He did not really care for the happy ending. How do the rest of the voices in my head feel about this? Are we agreeing with Dimitri yet again? Or are we okay with it? Because, as Dimitri kind of added at the end of his um, statement, it does open the door for either of them to maybe return in the future. I mean, they, they're going to Coriana. It is a place that we've been to on the series. We've heard about it so much. We've been there to experience it. So they could pluck them out of Coriana if they are needed at some points. So does that potential um, sort of um, kind of... Uh, I don't know, allow for this maybe tough pill of a happy ending to be swallowed? Millie Wood. Um, I, I, first of all, I thought, I thought, I don't know why, but I thought Renee wasn't staying, but, um, it makes sense that she is. I kind of liked it too, how, like, Barry has the Speed Force, um, prison, and Oliver Queen had Lee and you, kind of just, like, Koyana is their new, we're going to put all the big bads there that we don't want to kill, but want to come back. Um, but so I, that's kind of how I saw it. Not, and I feel like, you know, the people there might not necessarily welcome this weird plant lover. So maybe they'll have their own challenges to face. But I get what Dimitri's saying, where it does kind of seem like a cop out. Um, but I do like the idea that they're there to come back and, and haunt that team when, you know, the storyline allows for it too. 
Well, she's a lady, so she will be welcomed there with open arms. I mean, you know, it's a female paradise. I'm just saying. Uh, Professor, what about you? Uh, are, are you once again going to agree with Dimitri? To a certain extent, in that I agree with him that the problem is that they presented, you know, sort of a classic version of Poison Ivy who is too powerful to be contained. Uh, you know, uh, they they basically brought her down by luck and subterfuge, and they're not going to be able to do that again. So the only way they can get rid of her, short of killing her, which they are reluctant to do on the show, um, uh, is is you know to get rid of her. You know, because you can't lock her in in uh, Arkham. She was able to take down the freaking dam. You think she can't take down Arkham? Uh, you know, what does Argus have that would stop her? You know, the best way to get rid of her is to put her on an island where hopefully she can't get off the island. Now, where I want to push back against you guys is your assumption that this is a happy ending because she's stuck on a plane with a person who betrayed her and they're screaming at each other and she's she's stuck with a psycho bitch who actually opens the plane door and says, then jump out. So her options are jump out to my certain death or travel with this woman who I can't stand. I'm not sure that's a happy ending. Maybe I'm just channeling my uh, uh, myself and, uh, and no exit here, but, you know, hell is other people. And honestly, do you really think they're going to have that happy ending on Coriana? No. Within five minutes of them landing, Safai is going to go, whoa, who is that tall, spectacular redhead? And who's her little friend who just met with a tragic accident? So, you know, Montoya is going to be dead within the first 15 minutes of landing on the planet. And, uh, and yeah, and, uh, and Safai is going to be spending her time pining after Poison Ivy. I will counterpoint with what you just said by saying all of them are going to be getting happy endings later that night, and they're all going to forget everything that ended up happening. That's going to be one really uncomfortable plane ride, by the way, to Coriana. You know, they're just riding along, sitting there, hating each other, Pam thinking to herself, maybe I could jump out. I've got a 100% chance of dying. And also, okay, and again, you know, this we don't get into the physics of this. If you did open up a plane, they were above the clouds. They would have been sucked out to their deaths instantly. All right, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, I'm just saying, which leads me to suspect that, in fact, uh, this is a Jacob's Ladder situation in which Pam is actually hovering between life and death and envisioning this future, and it's not actually happening to her. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we went from Neil deGrasse Tyson to Twin Peaks over the span of a sentence, and I'm here for it. That was fantastic. All right. Speaking of uh, the future... And no happy endings. Or maybe. I don't know. Uh, we do save Mary. And Mary is back to being Mary. Although she does have the red hair still. And uh, she remembers everything. But the team has embraced her. Ryan tells her, you know, we're never going to neglect you again. You're never going to feel sidelined. And she says all the beautiful stuff that, that is wonderful to hear. But at that point in time, Mary's like, I killed somebody. And I remember it all. And I remember everything I did. And they're like, no, it was the poison ivy. But we see her later on when she's by herself. She Googles the Gotham Gazette. And she sees the headline. And she sees the picture. She sees the article. But she's like, no, I cannot read this. And she shuts her laptop. Which I guess means that the article just doesn't exist anymore, period. But um, what's going on here? What are we going to be getting for the next couple episodes as we head to the end of the season? Is Mary going to reach out to the boy? Uh, what are we going to think of... Not what are we going to think. What do we think about what ramifications Mary is going to get for any of what she did? Because I'm just going to say, she told that man that the professor said didn't die, Hello, I am Dr. Mary Hamilton. I mean, I, I know he was getting tortured by vines and shit, but I kind of feel like there is not enough amount of torture for him to forget, Hello, my name is Dr. Mary Hamilton. I mean, right? Right? Like, there are going to be ramifications for her actions. At least I feel. Dimitri? Yeah, in fact, I'm going to push back on what the professor said earlier about uh -oh. how this was, in fact, a, a confirmation that she had killed somebody. We did not get any new information this episode. We just got the um, the sort of 
conf- like we got the information shared around between characters that everybody had from last episode. We also saw Poison Ivy straight up kill somebody by extending a vine branch pointy thing through their body from behind. So I there's a part of me that's wondering if still this will be a fake out and we're going to find out that Mary flung the guy. He landed somewhere. Poison Ivy saw him was like, oh, you're not going to interfere in my little spore baby reunion and killed him. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think if that doesn't happen, then there's going to be very real ramifications for Mary's character um, in terms of coming to terms with what she's done. But uh, I I do wonder, I, I've noticed that there isn't any more confirmation given this episode. That leads me to be cautiously hopeful. I kind of hope that she killed that man. Because she was like, I am Dr. Mary Hamilton. Like, do you want me to spell it out for you? Like, it was just too much. It, it, was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Uh, Millie Wood, you're a big fan of Mary. What do you think the ramifications for everything that she did is going to be? Like, do you think she's just going to be a tortured soul that is going to be, you know, sort of wallowing in everything that she did? Or do you think there are going to be some legal stuff that's going to happen to her? I don't think legal stuff. I feel like they could definitely... um, And it was interesting because when they were walking away from the guy hanging in the vines, uh, Poison Ivy was like, oh, get used to, like, they're going to paint you as a villain. Like, get used to that. So at least, like, Poison Mary in that mindset knew that, like, Mary Hamilton's name was going to be out there. So in a way, she knew what she was doing in that sense. Um... So I think they could also blame Poison Ivy, like, oh, she took advantage of me. So it's not like it was her. So I don't know if there's, like, legal actions because the person that was really behind all of it is now on an island. Uh, but I do think that what it is. That? Hmm? I was saying, well, there's that. Um, maybe go on that hunt. But uh, I think that it's going to hopefully do a, an exploration of Mary and, and her really kind of, quote, unquote, finding herself. Because I think she went from feeling underappreciated to, like, trying to refine her place on the team. Um, I hope that they address it better than they kind of have addressed Luke's mental struggles that they were trying to, or they have done on other air verses or have lacked to do. Um, but considering there's only a couple episodes, I am cautiously uh, like optimistic that they'll be handled well, but it could also go very wrong and kind of be brushed under the table or go down a dark spiral and just hopefully it doesn't just become like a dreary, um, sad Mary. Cause that would just be sad to watch. Yeah, I mean, this was, we already saw her go down a spiral, and the spiral was all viney. Um, I don't know if I want to actually see her go down an emotional spiral. We're going to have to wait and see. Um, yeah, I hope that man is dead, because he's really the only one that knows her name. Outside of, like, the hotel people, when she was, like, charging, uh, or trying to overcharge her car that was canceled, and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see. I, I do hope that there are some sort of ramifications to it, at least emotionally. I just don't know how much of that I want to see, because I like Mary, and I don't want her to be tortured. Um, Step the fuck back, all of you. What the hell is going on here? Mary flat out killed a guy, and in this episode... Ryan says to her, no, no, that's okay. That was poison ivy. Ryan is basically saying, no, we'll just brush all this under the rug. And you're saying the guy that she said her name to, and you're hoping he's dead so that she killed a second guy. Well, I mean, he kind of needs to be dead. No, he doesn't. You don't. We've talked about this before. The good guys don't kill. And Dimitri, you know, speaking as a Canadian, I I thank you for we we up here. We don't understand the whole QAnon phenomenon. But you who can look at an episode in which we've been we saw Mary kill a guy with her own eyes in which we have Mary say, I remember everything and I killed him. And you still think, no, I think there's something else going on there. You're down in the, the basement of the pizza shop <laughs> looking for the babies. Oh, no. oh God, what are you people Not doing? The babies. You Not people the babies. are self-deluding yourselves. She killed the guy. She may have killed the second guy. I think it was intentional to add the ADR and indeed to possibly bring out the fact that she's going to have to deal with the consequences of this because mm-hmm. Mary would have to deal with the consequences of this. Mary is a good person. If you have her not 
facing up to what she did, regardless of whether she was in full control or not, even if she wasn't in full control, Mary is the sort of person who would care to do anything else, to sweep this under the rug, to hope that the guy is dead so that she doesn't have to deal with consequences of that. That would be completely antithetical to Mary's character. She is a doctor. She is a healer. She cares about people, unlike you guys. Okay. So, I'm guessing, so I'm guessing you, you care that the man should be alive. You know, I, I think you should, yes. And I think the reason they added those sounds in there was so that there will be someone who can identify her and yeah. she will have to deal with the consequences. Well, of she was like, now, there will be some limited responsibility because she would like can argue that she was under control. But I think, as Mary said, she remembers everything and she realizes this was not being controlled. This was simply liberating a part of herself. Okay. Well, yeah, because, you know, she was like, my name is Dr. Mary Hamilton, and here's my social security number. You know, when you do all that, I mean, they're going to be able to identify you. So, speaking of dark spirals, uh, boy, do we get a big one in this one. And it starts off uh, with an innocent request. The bat signal turns on, Batwoman shows up, it's Jada Jet. It seems like everybody has access to the bat signal. Like, you just climb stairs, I guess, and you just flick a switch or something. I mean, you would think that there would be, like, codes and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, Jada Jet's there, she wants to make a deal. I want my son, here's Joy Buzzer. Batwoman's like, I will figure out a way to do it, because uh, Jada Jet, um, she heard the podcast, and um, you know, because I'm the scientific expert. If you didn't know, and she said scientific experts said that if Marcus gets joy buzzed again, he's gonna go back to normal. And so you know, she wants to buzz him, and uh, Batwoman is like, "I will, uh, I will figure out a way to buzz him again." And she's like, "Well, you're gonna have to give me my son if you want the joy buzzer. Give me my son by midnight." Because of everything that happened, the dam of it all, she wasn't able to do that. And so Jada Jet in the morning gives an exclusive interview to the only news reporter that we ever see in Gotham. And she's like, all of this is Batwoman's fault. All of the Batman's trinkets, you know, the new uh, Killer Croc and Mad Hatter and the return of Poison Ivy, it's all her fault. But the lady's like, but she thwarted Poison Ivy. Yes, but you're not getting to the point. Why was she even here to begin with? And so she's blaming uh, that woman. She's basically telling her, you must turn yourself in, which I'm just like, okay, sure, um, and all that kind of stuff. While all of that is going down, because this is on the TV and everybody's watching, you would have thought Vesper Fairchild uh, would have um, gotten this scoop. But anyway, while all this is going down... Uh, um, Jada Jet is talking about how, because of the dam, there was some flooding and all this kind of stuff. And we follow drip, drip, drops, and they're dripping, dropping in Mary's clinic. And we already know what one drop does to someone that's desiccated. Marcus is back, y'all. So there's that. Professor, since you are apparently the only rational, sane person here, I'm going to ask you, what did you think of Jada's big move Clearly, Marcus is back in a big way, and he knows who the Bat Team is. And if he ends up telling his mom, I feel like Jada Jet is going to feel all types of bad for doing all of this, right? I don't know. Jada Jet is, you know, a, a very weird character in that, you know, her reaction to anyone who thwarts her in any way seems to be extremely high so in this case she agrees to give batwoman the joy buzzer and then retroactively says but if you don't get my boy back here by midnight deals off um so you know it's not like the deal was up front and then she goes completely nuclear on batwoman there, there's no coming back from this so if you're batwoman and you're dealing with this jada jet who has just unleashed everything she can against you why not just slip marcus's throat Oh, Jada Jet has essentially lost all of her bargaining in this situation. Now, as it turns out, because he's been you know, rehydrated, he'll break out on his own. But just from a, a strict business point of view, you've shot everything you had in a fit of peak against Batwoman. You got nothing left. All right. So you want to slit Marcus's throats, but you get mad at us for hoping that the man that uh, Mary had vine deep throated is dead. No, I'm saying that the logical thing that that Jada has basically, you know, she no longer has any bargaining. She has done everything she can against Batwoman. Oh, yeah. So 
what what do you have to fall back on? This, well, is, this Jada, was not bargaining. This was this was a new, this was a mutually assured destruction. Well, I think Jada has realized that there are only three episodes left to this for the season. Now and, that's a good point. I think so Jada may be a, may a little wiser in that respect than than I might have realized at the time. Yes, you know she's got a schedule, so she knows what's going. Yes, she's looking at her 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 Apple Watch, going, "Oh shit, I better get this done." Exactly. I've only got three episodes left, and I got to make my mark. So, uh, so there is that. Um, can I just say the one thing that I'm going to really nitpick about everything that I had to deal with Jada Jet, and it doesn't even have to deal with Jada Jet, it has to deal with Ryan. Ryan, for whatever reason, she's so off and on and on and off with the voice modulation thing. Kate Kane used to always use the voice modulation when she's talking to the people. There you have Ryan. She deepens her voice. Yes, Jada Jet, what do you want? I'm like, why aren't you using the damn voice modulation thing in front of your fucking mom? Like, you don't think she's going to recognize your voice? I mean, like, I know she hasn't been there for the, for many years, but you've been in close communication with her as Ryan Wilder for, like, the past couple months. Like, use the voice modifier, please. In front of her, because the whole deep voice it was not going to be enough, in my opinion. Like, I'm surprised she wasn't like, honey, is that you, Ryan, under that? Because you sound just like her, but with like a husky voice. Anyway, all right. I digress. But did I miss anything? Did anyone want to share an opinion for something that they haven't shared it yet before we head into the MVP? I, one more minor criticism. Okay, and- yes. I really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious if you guys feel the same way. The the fight between Batwoman and Poison Ivy looked almost cool. In that I could tell that um, you know, Ryan was doing flips and stuff, but the sort of awkward lighting and the weird angles made it kind of hard to follow. I basically like saw Pam on the floor and I was like, okay, I Batwoman knocked her out, I guess. There's enough shots where you can see that, like, Batwoman is, you know, doing a bunch of stuff. And obviously Poison Ivy has all her crazy powers that she's throwing at Batwoman. But it was kind of hard to follow, like, a play-by-play of, like, oh, Poison Ivy did this, and Batwoman did this. It was kind of like, what's going on? And I'm I'm curious if anyone else felt that way, because that seemed like a fight scene that could have been really, really cool. And, you know, the the scene where she fetches Mary is awesome. Um and there's uh there's, you know, some really some really cool combat scenes in this show overall. So it that one just seemed weird to me. I don't know if anyone else agrees. I think for me it seemed rushed. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, a bigger, more sort of, like, climactic fight. And this is coming from someone that did enjoy the episode. But but I will nitpick that it felt rushed. And it did seem weirdly edited. It, it There was something off, at least for me, with the editing of that fight. Because it, it, was, it looked strange. Um, and, and I do agree with you, Dimitri. It could have been better. It should have been better. I mean, this is... I mean, I don't think she's technically the big bad of the season, but she was certainly a large enough mini-boss that our heroes were kind of quaking in their boots over over her. Yeah. Okay. So, MVP time. Most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. Let's see... Dimitri, we'll start off with you. Who's your MVP and why? This episode, I've got to give it to, uh, I've got to give it to Alice. Although I want to, well, everybody else go, and then I have an honorable mention if this character doesn't get named. Oh. Okay. Oh, that's unprecedented, but I will go along with it. But yes, you were giving it to Alice. Are you going to explain? Yeah, no, I mean, okay. basically what we've said before, her her presence through this episode, she both makes it seem so chaotic 
and brings everything together with regard to Wildmore, with regard to making sure the team grabs Montoya. Um, you know, uh, she just, it, it's weird because technically she doesn't need to be there, and yet she's such a catalyst for all the action and for so much of the humor um, that happens in this episode. Um, that you know, I, I feel she really, she really hit the nail on the head. All right, a fantastic choice. I think we will, we would all agree with uh, with uh, Alice, Professor. What about you? Who's your MVP and why? Uh, Sophie. Uh, Sophie had some great moments. Uh, you know, we didn't have anything quite to equal the 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 Wild Moore kiss of last episode, but she had so many great reaction moments. Reacting, you know, in that moment where you know she she finds out that Luke doesn't know about the kiss, and she just has that little secret smile to herself. And the moment where she's basically saying to Ryan, "Hey, you know, I'm I've got your back and everything like that." Uh, her her reactions, uh, and, you know, even when she's not the the primary character in the scene, she's doing a lot with that. Uh, and she's just uh, been an absolute delight, particularly when she's uh, paired with Alice, but not always. You know, she she manages to, uh, uh, you know, to bring the, the the emotion and heart to it, you know, even when she's paired with other characters. And I think she was really good, even though she didn't have as much to do in this episode. Another fantastic choice. I always giggle whenever any one of us picks Sophie as the MVP, because if you would have told us two years ago that we would be picking Sophie so many times for MVP on Batwoman. I think we all would have been aghast at that. Yes. Millie Wood, what about you? Who is your MVP? I will have to go with Ryan as my MVP. Um, I love the like, conversation she had with Alice in the car and just the banter there was great, but also all of the just small, subtle things um, in regards to Sophie and um, that, like, small moment they had. It was just all, like, really great uh, to see that. And, of course, as weirdly as it was shot, the, the fight scene with Pam was, at least on Ryan's part, cool. All the, like, doing the kicks and stuff like that. Yes, we love a kick. Very good. And, uh, oh, God, who is left? <laughs> Because y'all picked all the good ones. Um, you know what? For for giving us some good, fierce villainy, I will give it to Poison Ivy. Um, Bridget Regan, I thought, was a really good choice for the, the role of uh, Poison Ivy. And uh, we did have an episode where... She kind of showed us, you know, what she could do. I mean, she, she almost broke the damn dam. And, uh, and yeah, and even though the fight maybe was a little wonky, and, yes, she got a happy ending. Uh, but because she got a happy ending means that we could maybe see her in the future. And I'd love to see more of uh, both her and Montoya together. Um, I, I, I was a sucker for the love story uh, for whatever weird reason. Uh, Dimitri, you wanted to give a quick shout out? So this character has been mentioned, but we have to acknowledge the best, the greatest moment in the show. When Mary, Poison Mary, is reading every character for Phil. Oh, yes. And she talks about Luke's daddy issues. She calls Ryan a flighting rodent. And then she calls Sophie the queen of unemployment. Yes. Holy shit, that was awful. And then Sophie goes, I didn't say anything. That was perfect. That was so hilarious. Um, I just, that might be one of my favorite comedic moments of the whole show. Yes. Props to the writers. I have no idea what they've done with the writers this season. But I feel like the quips have been like, to the nth degree this season, in a fantastic way. I mean, even Poison Ivy had a fantastic line of, like, when she was talking about, like, oh, they're going to paint you as the villain, she was like, you know, they're going to do all these stupid puns about you. Like, the lines that everyone is getting, like, not just the lines, but also the actors reacting to the lines, it's just fantastic. So props to the writers for writing the really great one-liners, the zingers, and props to the actors for making them work. 
Now let's talk about uh, a rating for this episode. Uh, how would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 bat signals? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, des- deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the bat cave or another great little line, uh, you know, not bat cave to batmobile. Uh, let's see. Let's start off with uh, the professor. Well, we've talked a lot of shit. We've had a lot of hot takes. We've said some controversial things that'll come back to get us canceled. Uh, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna archive this one. Man, I really, really enjoyed this episode. Despite all the flaws that we've identified, all the little niggling things. Damn, this was a 44 minute thrill ride. It was great fun. Uh, some great character moments. Uh, it, it really managed to to use the humor, and it was a Rachel Scarston acting class in how to be a CW-verse villain. Um, but, man, I just I, – I'm, I'm sure I'm the only one who's going to archive it, but, damn, I really enjoyed this episode. We're starting off super strong with an archive in the not-back-cave, for now at least. Uh, let's see who should go next. You know, let's get a dose of reality. Millie Wood. It's like a running gag now. Um, man, I'm surprised. It felt like a professor was a bit hard the other night for a different show, but um, <laughs> I was not seeing that. I will have to go with an 8.8. I think it was solid. Rachel uh, Carson definitely helped step it up. I think for me, um, a little bit like this, the Luke storyline really kind of felt a little like a call-in. And there's just something about how I think quickly the Poison Ivy storyline was wrapped up um, that felt rushed. Again, maybe it's because of the shortened season. Um, I just felt like there was more hype around this and they would have extended it. So that was a little bit of disappointment ended like that. But uh, overall, I think it was pretty solid, rewatchable for sure. Uh, so 8.8. We've got an archive. We've got an 8.8. Dimitri, Mr. Weejasinger, where do you stand? I am going to, in a historic move, agree and disagree with the professor at the same time. Oh. He said he would be the only one to archive it. He is wrong. I will also archive it. The things Millie said are valid, and we all had a few critiques for this episode, but there's so many iconic moments in this episode. And just, you know, when I think about The Flash and, you know, meta of the week and how it's hard for anyone to seem menacing after a while. And we think about the fact that this isn't our season's big bad, but still she was such a menacing villain. This felt like a finale. I I genuinely checked to see if there was an episode next week because I was like, this is absolutely of the quality of a season finale. But yeah, no, I I think this is an episode we're going to refer back to. Super rewatchable, super funny, um, there's a huge amount of gravitas going in. Yeah, this is an archivable episode for sure. Yes. Uh, Jeff, I'd like to retract some of the negative things I said about Dimitri earlier in the episode and apply them to Millie instead. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know how that works, but sure. Um, and interestingly enough, I love proving the professor wrong as well because I'm archiving it as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I know I nitpicked at it. Uh, we all kind of did. Um, but it was a fantastic episode. It was a lot of fun, and I'm glad that you brought up that point that I made at the start of this podcast, Dimitri. This episode was a mid-season finale, and even, I would say, a, a season finale caliber episode. It was so good. Like, it was fun. It was suspenseful. There were tiny little moments. There were comedic moments, romantical moments. Um, I didn't even talk about the whole Wildmore situation, but, I mean, there was a little advancement in the Wildmoreness, and it was all thanks to Alice. Who'd have thunk? A, a lot happened in this episode, and at the end of it all, even with all the nits that were picked, it's still an immensely rewatchable episode. And, dare I say, it's a very fun episode as well, even with all the darkness. So, yes, it it is an archive-worthy episode. And on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Gotham City Gazette. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com.
Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the Gotham City Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. If you want to follow along, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. The Professor. Good night, Gotham. And Dimitri. Good night, listeners. You can follow me on Twitter at Brown Ball Beauty and follow my new webcomic on Instagram at Melanin Cuddles. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Gotham City Gazette every Friday via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night. Oh, a shocking God. reveal at the end. After the the episode, I was convinced that I was the only one who really liked this episode. No, I, I mean we it. can, yeah, we can it. nitpick. Didn't, and... didn't hate it like Millie, of course. But... Oh yeah, you know, with her eight Millie is a monster. Millie has no heart. But no, you actually you weren't here, but she did archive something last week, and it was it was a moment. Oof. Yeah, like like a whole archive, not like. An archive minus point two. No, it was an archive. Yeah, it was a full. Oh, she should do it was that. It's an once. archive without the e on the end. An yeah. archive. Yeah, archive. she did it on Legends. We were very proud of her. It was a moment. Damn. Yeah. It was a Golden Wave writer, but it was only twenty-two characters. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what am I speaking to here? <laughs> I love how he did the setup, and he didn't listen to one word. He was trying to belch on cue, listeners. No, talk to me about the heart to heart. That Ryan oh, oh, and Alice in the, had. In the Batmobile. Yes, in the Batmobile. Oh. As she's trying oh. to shoot the missiles and stuff. 